What is truth? Seldom black and white, usually complex. The fifth column goes on the inside in search of it. Useful idiots is a term used to describe intellectuals who praise tyrannies and tyrants. It came to prominence at the time of Stalin, whose policies led to 10 million deaths, but who was widely praised at the time as the saviour of humanity. Worryingly, perhaps, Russia's current leader, Vladimir Putin, is eager to restore his reputation. John Sweeney reports. The voice of Joseph Stalin, leader of the Soviet Union for three decades, psychopath, killer of millions, but to some at the time, nothing less than the saviour of humanity. He said, I'm going to tell you that everything you have heard on this trip is nonsense. The truth is quite different. Doris Lessing, winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature and once a devout communist. In 1952, she was part of a delegation visiting the Soviet Union and being shown all that Stalin's minders wanted them to see. Then one old man spoke out. Now, for him to say this at all, it was brave of him, to put it mildly. Everybody around him is all very jolly and upbeat and nice and sweet. The thing was, he was completely out of line with anything going on. For me, it was shattering. So would Doris Lessing now say she had been Stalin's useful idiot? Yes, I would. That's what my role was. I was taken around and shown things as a useful idiot. I would then go away and say, oh, it's very nice and it's all so sweet. I can't understand why I was so gullible. Professor Donald Rayfield, author of Stalin and his Hangman, defines a phrase often attributed to Lenin. The phrase seems to have been around for about 70 years. It's someone who doesn't think they're an idiot, who thinks they're highly intelligent, but is so easily persuaded by flattery from people in power that they're prepared to serve their purposes and allow themselves to be duped or even just to lie for the sake of advantage. Another believer in a golden future under Stalin, and it turns out the target of a secret police honey trap, was H.G. Wells, author of the science fiction classic War of the Worlds. Donald Rayfield. H.G. Wells was uh, singled out because he was one of the very few foreigners who was actually present in the early days of the revolution and was extremely excited by it. And then he had a personal entanglement with Maura Budberg, the daughter of a Tsarist general who was involved with the Soviet secret police. And one other way in which intellectuals were seduced by Stalin was they were found extremely attractive women to take back home with them. Walter Duranty of the New York Times was Stalin's great apologist. A wit, a cynic, surrounded by beautiful Russian women, Duranty led the Moscow press pack from his perch at the bar of the Metropole Hotel. His biographer, Sally Taylor, described how he privately reported to the British Embassy the number of deaths. Duranty estimated 10 million, and that's the highest estimate I've seen. So this is a famine which Duranty himself said 10 million people died. That's right. What did he put in his newspaper? He wrote, No actual starvation or deaths from starvation, but there is widespread mortality from diseases due to malnutrition. But no famine. But no famine. 
he was lying. He was lying, yes. Whereas Hitler's apologists in the 30s didn't know about the Holocaust to come, Durante knew about the millions who were dying under Stalin, but airbrushed them out of history. Why would he do that? Sally Taylor and Donald Rayfield. Alistair Crowley was a witch, a warlock, and he organized the Paris workings, which were a psycho-sadistic set of practices for which Walter Durante wrote the poetry. And there was a lot of tying people up in chains and carving crosses in their chest, things like that. Do you think this had an impact on him later on in life? I think something was missing in him. One way of putting it is he, he seemed to be soulless. The point about Durante was he was being blackmailed for some sorts of sexual misdemeanors. We don't know quite what. How do you know that? It's in the Yagoda files that they have a commentary on Durante. And that is why people like Durante went on to say that the show trials were models of legal jurisprudence and so on. The other day, there was a Newsweek journalist who was... There's compromat video of him cutting up what looks like cocaine with the beautiful Russian lovely. Same old tricks? Same thing, yes. Yes. Um, it sometimes doesn't work with the French, I'm told. They say, oh, thank you. My wife will be proud of me. Um, <laughs> Walter Durante, the blackmailed reporter, encouraged the United States to recognize the Soviet Union. For this, he won a Pulitzer Prize, the great moment of a life which was to end amid poverty and disgrace. The New York Times, of course, publishes articles. Do they still show off his Pulitzer? Sally Taylor. They do have the Pulitzers lined up in a room. I was taken in there and shown all the Pulitzers. And underneath Durante's Pulitzer, there's a little sign that says, many people feel he did not deserve the Pulitzer and that his reportage on the famine was inadequate and many of them were on the staff. Without saying that he falsified the reports, they're saying, we know that this is a disgraceful period of time for us. This is the entrance to Firm 36. It's a real-life Stalinist concentration camp. It was started in 1946, and it was kept open and full of prisoners, open for business, long past Stalin's death, and up till the late 70s, when it's finally closed down. There's an ocean of barbed wire. Also, some of it's electrified. I see those white ceramic cups, which would carry the electric current. There is a sense of real bleakness, a kind of barbed wireness of the mind. And the only living thing is a grey cat licking its tail. Back then, in Stalin's day, that cat wouldn't have lived very long here. It would have been eaten because people were so desperately hungry. One other man who blew the whistle on Stalin's great famine, Gareth Jones, a Welsh journalist and brilliant linguist. Jones reported on what he'd seen in the Ukraine fearlessly. Back in Moscow, Durante made him out to be a liar. Two years later, Jones went to China. His driver and tour guide, it later came out, were agents for Stalin's secret police, the NKVD. Jones was killed in mysterious circumstances. Stalin's revenge? That's hard to discover, because the Kremlin today is run by Vladimir Putin, former secret policeman, 
and a man eager to rewrite history in Stalin's favour, which is why the new history book in Russian schools dismisses the famine in one paragraph. What did Donald Rayfield make of the charge that Stalin had Jones killed? It isn't proven, but it's very possible, and perhaps somewhere in the files in Moscow uh, the the evidence will be found. One interesting thing is that these uh, useful idiots, if they proved to be not so useful, did meet their deaths rather early. The files in all these cases, and Gareth Jones too, Mm -hmm. they'll be in the NKVD files. Yes, I'm sure. They haven't been opened yet. Why haven't they been opened yet? Because uh, basically the same organization that worked under Stalin is still working today with some cosmetic changes. To hear more of our podcasts and to have your say, visit our website www.thefifthcolumn.co.uk.